Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about Church at the Well, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. And now, here's today's sermon from our pastor, Dane Carraway. God, may our hearts and our minds be open to what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. It's good to see everybody. Go ahead and take a seat. Um, hey, Daryl, would you grab that table for me? Just kidding. Awesome. Um, <laughs> um, I, um, I, so listen, I want everybody to be praying for me this week. I'm going to have to go to our elders and ask them for more money on, into, our, into our budget because I owe everybody in our church wings because my bracket is that bad. Um, if you've been around, you know that I made this ridiculous... Um, bracket challenge that if you beat me, I would buy you wings, and I'm like in last. If I'm not in last, I'm close to it. I, I am, I've never had a bracket this bad. Um, I blame Jess, and I blame others for um, praying on my downfall. I've never been to church where everyone prayed for the downfall of the pastor, so that's new. Um, if I'm not here next Sunday, that's why. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm very excited to, uh, uh, to, to share with you what I have this morning um, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been going through a series called uh, The One and Only. We've been looking through the book of John, and we've been talking about how Jesus is the one and only Messiah and all the implications of that. If Jesus is the one Messiah, what does that mean for, uh, for the disciples during that time period? What does that mean for all of the Pharisees at that time period, all the people that would just come and listen to him, and even what that means for us today? Um, and we couldn't be going through this at a better time than right now. So uh, we have this Sunday, and then next Sunday we celebrate um, Palm Sunday or the triumphant entry, and then we see a drastic change that happens in seven days from Jesus being the one that they're all celebrating to Jesus being the one that they all were cheering for him to kill. It's crazy, right? Like, you ever think about it like that? Like, I just want you to think about like, the drastic change. Like, um, you know when like, a team wins a big event, Super Bowl, NBA championship, what, what, what happens in the town? A parade, right? Like a big parade. Everyone is celebrating. Just imagine like um, when, when the Nationals won the championship, which seems like so long ago, you, did you guys realize that the Nationals won a championship and then the world shut down shortly after with the, uh, with the pandemic? That was weird. Um, but I, I took um, Anna and, um, and the boys down to DC and we were um, on Pennsylvania Avenue and, and for this big parade and no, like, I don't think D.C. has ever been safer, you know, because everybody was just so excited and it was just like cheering for these people and, you know, um, um, people were, were, uh, were just so excited just to like try to get close. And we almost got to touch the trophy. It was like they were bringing it on and off the bus and it stopped right before us and we almost got, we got to at least see it and it was, it was shiny. But it went from that, you know, um, I, I just think about like that being the picture and we know we call it Palm Sunday because people were like literally laying down palms as Jesus rolled a colt into the city. So that, that's, it, we went from that to him being tortured and persecuted and crucified. So that's what's coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks, right? But I, what I want to do is kind of like take us from where we were to Jesus doing his last miracle, what we did, we talked about last week, and uh, 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 him raising Lazarus from the dead to where he is now, to where Jesus is starting to, uh, to say goodbye. Um, so I, for my wife's birthday this past year, um, I took her to see the, the, the show Hamilton. Anybody heard of it? It's kind of a big deal. Um, 
And I had a bad attitude towards Hamilton. I was just like, I'm, I actually like hip hop. I don't need to see the theatrical version of a hip hop concert. Like I, I just, but it was a lot better than I thought it would be. I have to be, I have to admit, it was a lot better than what I thought it could be. And and I have a lot of different parts. My favorite character in the show was Aaron Burr. But one of the most powerful moments for me was um, the character who uh, George Washington. It's this point where Hamilton's like going to him with like issues that were going on, and George Washington is telling him that he's not going to continue to be president. And he sings this song and he's like talking about like, you know, one of the best things that I can do as a leader, one of the best things that I can do as, as leader of our country is to teach people how to say goodbye. You know? And, and what we're going to see in the passages that we're going to read today is that's what Jesus is doing during this Last Supper. As he's, he's saying goodbye to his disciples. He's prepping them for him moving on to the next uh, the, the, the next phase of ministry where Jesus is going to be like, I, I'm no longer God incarnate, Christ with us here on earth, here for your benefit, teaching you how to, you know, uh, uh, like how to follow me, teaching you all the things, explaining from, from the beginning of time to this point right now, why everything kind of reflects and revolves around who I am, like pointing to myself as a Messiah, to no longer being here for your benefit because you know it is going to be in you that the that the gospel and the truth about me and having and people having a relationship with me being the saving work of Jesus being the next being the most important thing that's what Jesus is doing during this dinner it's kind of a it's kind of a heavy dinner right this isn't just like you know guys hanging out at at, at green turtle watching the watching the tournament he he tries to accomplish a lot during this dinner to the point where he's saying like, hey, you're not going to understand everything right now. And we're going to get to that passage. He's like, I'm telling you things that you're going to have to remember this later because it's going to be too heavy for you. So I, I, I just want you to think about it like this. Like if, if you're ever a parent, or you don't have to be a parent, but um, if you, like, whether you're either a parent or you, you own a pet, or if there's somebody that you take care of and you have a trip coming up out of town, you know that you don't just get to pick up your stuff and head out of town. That there's preparation that has to go. It's about to be spring break, right? There's folks in here that are probably taking a spring break trip. It does not just happen. Like, we're leaving in three hours. Now we can start prepping for it. Anybody ever take a trip like that? I haven't taken a trip like that until, like, college. And even that takes time to get things ready. What Jesus is doing is he's saying, like, hey, I'm about to leave and part of the preparation is to making those that follow me, those that I'm taking care of, feel comfortable with my departure. Because, I mean, like, you know, when we go out of town, me and Anna just came back in town, my kid's first question every time that we go out of town is, who's going to watch us? Who's taking care of us? You know? And there's some times where they're excited about the answer, and there's other times when they're not so excited about the answer, um, even if we're going out for the evening. But, but Jesus is, is, is talking to the disciples and he's telling them, like, I'm preparing you for my departure. And a big part of that is who's going to watch us. What I want to talk to you guys about this morning is the idea that, yes, Jesus is the one and only. He's our one and only Messiah. But part of what Jesus does and part of his ministry, especially at this point, is that the one and only sends help. The one and only sends help. Um, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in John. We're going to be in a lot of passages this morning, and I'm spilling stuff on the floor. Um, but, but where we're going to start is going to be in John chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 15. 
It says, um, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So uh, uh, this is the first promise of what Jesus is describing as the advocate. Now, let me just like prep you for this. Like this morning, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. So you have the, if, if you've ever been in a Bible-believing church, we, we preach the Trinity. We, uh, we preach that God exists as three persons. He uh, exists as the Father, um, who is God the Father, and, and Christ the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And this is the one where I always kind of feel like it's like kind of like where, where Christianity gets weird, where it goes from being like, you know, like a spiritual thing to being Harry Potter all of a sudden, where you start talking about ghosts and things. And, and like, and I, and I just want like, <laughs> I want to normalize and, and like have us understand that it's, it's not as weird as we try to make it. In fact, like we would realize that our, uh, our lives and faith and what Jesus actually wants us to do, what the Father commands us to do is actually found, it's not easier, but it's actually like, you know, we, we, find, um, we can more conceptualize what we're actually supposed to do for the sake of our faith if we lean into what it's always meant to be leaned into. If you look through the Old Testament, things don't happen outside of the Holy Spirit. You see like these moments where it's like the Holy Spirit came and rested on people. And the difference between that and here is that God comes to see, actually like live inside of us to indwell in us. See these passages like, like where this, like in, the, in that moment, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not that Peter's that great or God calls us to be that great. It's that there's like actually, you know, deity infusing the work that's happening. The book of Acts doesn't happen just because these 12 guys spent time with Jesus. We know that that's not to be true because right at, the, like at this moment, right soon after this dinner, these guys are going to go in hiding. So it's not that they're that great because in the moment when it made the most sense for them to like be enthused because of all their time with Jesus, think about it. If you're, if you're, if you're an athlete, and if you come in after halftime, the coach says, hey, guys, we're down by 10. Let's go out there and really give it to them. Or you could be like Bobby Knight, uh, the coach, the crazy coach in the past, and start flipping over, you know, tables and things and saying, hey, you better go out there. I'm going to, you know, do whatever. It's probably going to happen soon after, like, like after that big speech. Well, that's not what happened. We see what happened with the disciples under their own power. When the disciples had their, their moment with Jesus, he gets arrested. They go hiding. So this, this, this courage, this, 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 um, um, this, this passion, we really, don't get to see the, we really don't get to see it until after the Holy Spirit comes, like Jesus said it would. So I, I just want to, so we talk about this morning, like, I think sometimes we, we as, especially as like, you know, uh, the younger we get, we like, this is where Christianity gets weird. This is where it gets weird to be a follower of Jesus. Like, sure, fine, I'm supposed to love God. God created things I can get with that. Makes sense. You know what? I could get the fact that, that God came and he existed as man and he died for the sake of our sins. That's beneficial. I could get with that. But the fact that you think that I'm supposed to believe in this spirit that lives in me, like, I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my head around that, Dane. And I think this is where faith plus thought, like, really meets in the middle of the road. And this is what it means to walk in this. So the one and only sins help. Um, the, this is the first promise of the advocate. Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come and stay, 
And, and I want us to notice what comes before and after the promise that we just read. Jesus gives a, 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 an important definition to love. Did you guys catch that? He says, if you love me, keep my commands. So like, this isn't, hey, Jesus, I love you. This isn't like even like Peter and Jesus would have a conversation later after Jesus uh, uh, showed up after he had died and he talks to him about love. Like it's not even just the confession of our mouths. You know that if, if you are in love with somebody or you love your parents or you have someone that you have affection for, it's not real love unless there's action behind the affection. In fact, it's obedience. I, as a husband, I obey my wife. Is that the most culturally popular thing to do to say? No, but it doesn't matter. It's the truth. Like I obey her her desires. I obey, you know, like 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 what you know, uh, in a way that I respect her, in a way that I honor her. There's obedience there. In the same way that if like as a dad, let's get really unpopular. I obey my kids. I, I obey them in the fact that like I do things and I don't do things that would not be in a way that I love my kids. Does that make sense? Like, like, like that there's obedience there. Hopefully my kids would obey me. Hopefully, you know, like even as like, as we exist as a church, that there's all these different things that in which we obey one another in, in, in a way that we communicate love. We always think about it like in an American, you know, uh, in, the, in the Western world sense of obedience exists as a hierarchy. But in your relationships, is that really what's true? Wait till your parents get older. The, 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 it, like, the dynamics shift, don't they? There's times when I'm like, mom, I need you to listen to me. I, I, I need you to trust me on this. This, the, like, this, this, is, this is what's best. And the more that I prove myself responsible and respectful, she listens. Love exists as, as obedience. And what Jesus is saying, he's like, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you uh, and be with you forever. So he says, so then he basically repeats himself down in verse 21. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Jesus basically says the same thing in reverse. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So what we get from this is that, you know, yes, Jesus is our one and only, and he wants to send us help, and help is sent to the one who obeys. Help is sent to the one who obeys. And, and, and like, I, like, I just want you to get to the sense of, like, always want to put it in context, always want to put it in the room in which it was, ha- <laughs> wow, another Hamilton reference, in the room in which it was, uh, it, it was uh, um, in which it was uh, taking place. Here are his disciples who he has been like teaching, who he's been explaining things to, and he's been talking about what it means to obey him. So now he is talking to them and he's saying like, listen, you guys have been with me for three years and you've convinced me by your words and your willingness to follow me for three years that you love me. What love means is obedience. This is who the help is coming for. Who else is in the room with this 12? Oh, yeah, Judas, the one who's about to betray him. I can just imagine, like, the weight that just would have been, like, that, that would have been, like, just felt on him. And even the other disciples, like, uh, thinking back to this story. A lot of times we think about, like, Jesus doesn't just send everybody help. He doesn't just, God loves everybody, right? No, Jesus is perfectly capable and willing to qualify what love is 
and who the Spirit is here to help. See, the job of the Holy Spirit is to help people come towards God and to help people share God. He's an advocate. He, like, like, we're even going to read this, that like, like, what, if, what he does for the sake of Christ is to always be pushing uh, the story and the narrative of who Jesus is to the world. It's what he helped the disciples do. Help us into those who obey. Remember, obedience is the belief in Jesus and a commitment to follow him. So a lot of times we think about this like, well, Dan, like, I, I want to obey God, but am I just supposed to like keep the Ten Commandments on the dashboard of my car and make sure I don't do those things? Is that obedience? No, obedience is to say that I have a trust and a belief and a faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for my life. And I have a commitment to grow and walk towards living towards him every day. Am I going to get it perfect? Do I need to have a full understanding of everything Christ wants me to do from day one before I can start obeying him? No. Or else the, the thief who Jesus promised that one day he would be in paradise with him, he was dying next to him, he wouldn't be able to promise him that. But from that moment, being able to recognize Jesus, be able to confess that he's messed up and there's something special about who Jesus is, yeah, he had a commitment to obedience. It's going from the starting point of wherever our life is, is being able to say that, like, you know, Jesus is worth obeying. Jesus is worth following. I have a commitment to growing in this. And, and then when the Holy Spirit shows me, like, areas of my life and, 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 and things that just aren't, that, like, that, that, are, that are hard to, you know, to break through or, or, or to try to let go of, man, I'm going to trust Jesus, the one who I love, in helping me overcome those things rather than allowing the, those uh, those idols, those, those big rocks in my life that I don't think I can move myself, I'm going to ask for his help to move them. And a lot of times, the one that's helping us move them is not another person, isn't the pastor, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's got to be. I can't convince you that the big sin in your life is worth letting go of. I can't. At least I can't do it on my own. I'm not that good of a salesman. I can't. And I think that like, one of the things I know that's true is that I don't care what people's lifestyles are. There are lifestyles in people's lives that they're important to them and there's for a good reason. There are things that you care about that God's not pleased with, and you probably have a good reason to care about it. And the only thing that convinced you to do that, yes, I can, I can plead with you. I can show you scripture. I can walk alongside of you, and I can love you, and I can be your friend and hopefully like, be with you to walk towards Jesus but until the Holy Spirit breaks your heart of it and you see that like a life, a life pursuing Christ is better than a life pursuing whatever it is that you're pursuing, yeah, it's hard to convince you of that. The one that only sends help. We have to realize that a love for Jesus is not solely sentimental. We sing some beautiful songs in this church in the name of Jesus. And I'm sure that Jesus loves the sound of it. But without lives that strive to mirror the songs that we sing, it probably isn't the best song or sight for him. You ever think about things like that? Like when the songs and, the, and even the picture of this room, you know, it's probably not the, the best thing for him to hear or see. The Holy Spirit is not a gift that we can even earn. That, that this is the best thing for us. 
And I just think about like, you know, Jesus being full Messiah and being fully God in his wisdom was saying, this is what you need. Because as long as I'm here, you will, you will only work under my direct direction. You will always, you will never, um, you will allow me to do the work. If you're going to go out into separate places, if you're going to go out and take this around the world, you all need the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you in order to do it. Dan, it sounds like you're just contradicting yourself. Here's what I mean. Those who commit to following Jesus will be gifted with the help to do so. John 14, 26 says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the fa- whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I said to you. So, so think about the comfort that this must have been for the disciples because they've just been on like a three-year-long retreat. I was just talking to Ian before church that like I feel like I've been like on retreat after retreat after retreat after retreat after trip after trip. And it's like, when do I just get to the, just be home and be a part of my church? Um, but like, like, so they've just been on this like three-year-long like, like college experience with their rabbi, following Jesus around, you know, working with him, seeing him do things, working on his behalf. And there's probably a lot to remember. And it seems like John was the only one smart enough to like, like you know, to, to go back and, and think about it, writing it down. And, and even like you have the, the, the other guys that are writing along the way, they're journaling, but everybody else is kind of like, well, we're just going to keep going along and learning. And John, like, as he's thinking back to all the things that happened, he's able to see that, you know, th- these were the purposes. But how does John get to that point is because he has the help of the Holy Spirit reminding him of all the things that, that Jesus was teaching him. How often did Jesus teach them and they simply just didn't understand what he was teaching them? Three, three things were needed for the apostles to understand Jesus as, uh, as a person and his mission. One, his death had to occur, right? Think about all the times when Jesus is like, I'm going to tear this temple down and, and raise it in three days. They were like, is he really going to tear down this temple? He just already turned over our tables. Like, what is this man talking about? Well, after he died, they're able to point back to that, be like, oh, that's what he meant. He also, number two, he had to rise again to vindicate his claim and demonstrate his victory. Like Jesus talked often about like, you know, I'm going to live again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to raise from the grave. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And <laughs> I know the disciples are sitting there. It's like, hey, he hasn't been wrong yet, but that's crazy. Like, he hasn't been wrong, but like, but what is he talking about? And then finally, the Spirit had to come and interpret the meanings of Jesus' words and deeds. I want you to remember this, right? Because as we get to, uh, you know, as, like, like I said, over this, this next year, we're going to go through all of the Gospels to kind of like look at these, all these different facets of Jesus. But then we're also going to, um, to go in the book of Acts. I know I can't say this, but like, you should almost think of like if, if, the, if uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Gospels, Acts is basically like, I don't know, like the fifth book. It's like, hey, guess what happened next? Like, so like, yes, I was going to try to say that word and I was going to butcher it. But yeah, so it's like, the, it's, like, it's like the sequel to the sequel to the sequel. It's the fifth edition, right? And like, so like when that happens, you're going to see that uh, uh, the disciples are sitting around waiting for this spirit that to them. And they don't, they don't really know what to do. One of my favorite characteristics of the disciples, uh, favorite things that they do. They're, they're waiting around for the Spirit to come. They're waiting around to, for whatever's supposed to happen next. 
And these are, these are just perfect men, right? Because they're like, well, what should we do while we're waiting? Let's go fishing. <laughs> and then Jesus shows up at the, at the, while they're fishing and tells them to stay where they are. It's like, it's coming. I had to have this conversation with Peter first to, to restore him because he's got a very important sermon to give. But the Spirit's coming. Be patient. See, the Holy Spirit, the help is sent to assist our understanding. You've noticed this in John's writing that, remember, John is writing these things uh, down after the fact. able to understand the purpose of why Jesus said and does, and, and honestly, how he's able to remember it all is because the help is, is there to assist in our understanding. I, I, this is true for us as well. Uh, can I be honest? If there's ever been a good sermon said in this room, or if you were from the era we were in our house, it's because there's been like two, help on both sides. It's been, there's the Holy Spirit's helping me in explaining it, helping me in, 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 in the preaching of it, but it's also been in the helping you listen to it. It's been, it's been in the help of you being able to receive it and, and you able, able to apply it into your life throughout the week. There's help happening on, on both sides. I think this is especially happening in our private worship times. If you want, I want you to trust yourselves that you are more than capable of reading God's word for yourself than just showing up on Sunday. I had a student tell me this one time. It's like, Dan, I try to read my Bible, but I don't understand it. And it's just easier when I come to youth group on Wednesdays and you explain it to me. And I told him, like, hey, listen, thank you for that. But you are more capable than reading God's word for yourself than I ever could. Like, 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 you know, one of my favorite um, um, stories that I've heard from uh, um, a Muslim friend was, Dan, I've tried to read your Bible in the New Testament, and I've tried to understand so I can argue with Christians why Jesus is. And the problem that I have when I read God's word, even though I don't understand it, not, I'm saying God's word, he wouldn't say God's word, reading the New Testament, is that when I read about your Jesus, I don't understand it, but it almost seems that if, while I'm reading it, that somebody's actually reading me. I don't understand this guy. I don't understand what's being read there, but I, it seems as if as I'm reading, someone's actually reading my life trying to understand me. I don't know if, if you've ever interacted with Scripture like that before. I don't know if you've ever like been like, you know, like, Dane talks about having a, 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 you know, a personal approach to, 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 uh, uh, to the word. And, you know, he's told me that I should pray by myself, whether, you know, it would be in the morning in my car or at night. But one of the things that happens that I think on, upon our initial approach to, to loving Jesus and following Jesus is, man, when we're trying to understand things, oh, yeah, it gets, it gets, it gets intimate because somebody's reading you. Someone's trying to break through you, trying to break through you so that they can indwell in you to be filled by it, to be to filling you in order to use you. It gets intimate. Help is sent to assist, uh, help is sent to assist in our understanding. John chapter 15, uh, verse 26 and 27, it says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. 
In addition to being our help and adding to our understanding, the Holy Spirit takes up the role of giving testimony in favor of Jesus in a hostile world. So, so the idea here is that help is sent to proclaim Jesus. That I think a lot of times uh, what we see is that we have uh, folks that are like, man, I want to I talk about Jesus, but I don't know how. Dane, when, when are we going to take a trip to the next like evangelism explosion because we need to be trained in how to be able to stand up on a stage like you to proclaim Jesus? Dane, I, I, I will never have the audacity to be like the guys that are down by the inner harbor that stand on the, on the soapbox and yell at people as they go by. You know, we, took, we went to the uh, German uh, Christmas village. <laughs> a couple, maybe I should laugh about this, but I thought it was funny. Um, two Christmases ago, we went to the Christmas village, and um, it was like Camilla's dream. We, we walked out of the, the big place where um, all the, you know, expensive Christmas or- ornaments were, and outside the door, there were just like Disney princesses. And like German Santa were standing around and they're about to start their parade. And Camilla just walks down and the princess is like, do you want to join us in our parade? She was like, I was waiting for you to ask. This is my time. And she like kind of just like waves to me and the boys, like I'm going with my people now to go join this parade. And so we're like, I text Anna because Anna's still inside spending all her money. And like, I, I just text her like, hey, Camilla's in a parade now. Me and the boys are going to go follow her in case she's being taken into child slavery. Like, I, we're just going to follow this, this train. So we started following them, and Camilla's, like, walking between, like, Cinderella and Elsa, you know, just living her dream. And me and the boys are kind of standing, like, at a distance. But then they started walking fast, so I send, like, Cole to be, like, her, her, like, you know, security and, like, stand right behind them. But we're, like, walking down the inner harbor, and there's these guys that are, like, standing on the plat, like, on, like, a like on a ledge, just yelling at anybody that come by that, you're going to hell, just like pointing down at them, like, like at these poor girls that are like in this parade, like going through Christmas. And I just thought about that. I'm like, man, I wonder how many Christians don't think that they know how to testify about Jesus because they, they would never do that. Like they, they would just never do that. You know, I'm not saying that all those guys are bad. I'm not saying that, like, there's not a, a place for being able to warn people that, you know, about the end of the world. I'm not, like, like, sure, fine. If that's what God calls you to do, that's great. But I, I just wonder, like, you know, like, what does that look like in your private time? I, I just wonder, like, how many of these guys, and again, I don't know any of them. I don't know anybody who does this. But how many of these guys would, would go out on a Saturday in the inner harbor and would yell at anyone that, that would walk by to them that they're going to hell, that they don't know Jesus, that, that, like, you know, that, that like they're going to be damned to, to, um, to, uh, to an eternity apart from God, but have not shared that with those closest to them? For the dads in this room, we have a direct responsibility from Scripture to tell that to our kids. Same thing for moms. Like, like we, we have these spheres that God puts us, we would, that we would be willing to testify to those things. And I think a lot of times when we see like the big, you know, even like on a stage, like, well, I will never testify like Jesus because I'm not, I, I, I go to a church where Dane's the pastor, I'm not the pastor, so I don't do those things. No, I think not only are we called to testify about what God has done in our lives, to anyone in our spheres and anyone that God would call us our neighbors, the people that like he would call us to be, come alongside of in any walk of life, but he offers us help in doing that. Does that make sense? Like you were never called to just have the personality to be able to do that on the broad stage or else you're not somebody who's testifying about the sake of Jesus. 
Number one, what the Holy Spirit does in our life is testify about who Jesus is. He convinces us that it's real and it's worth has this ever like happened with you in your salvation story to where it wasn't like, I've grown up in church, I believe this is real, but at some point in your life, like you get to a moment where you're like, no, this is actually something that I should consider changing my life and my pursuits about. This, is, like, this changes things. Men and women, this is the Holy Spirit testifying about Jesus. When it becomes more than just like head knowledge or guilt, but more so like now, like, the Holy Spirit is testifying about the truth of Jesus. It's the spirit of truth. Like, this is truth worth living towards. If, if there was a, like, if the um, sirens, it's been like, I'm sorry, like, there's been fires around Towson this past week. If the sirens started going off, that would testify the truth to us that there's danger happening, and we would react accordingly, right? The same thing happens with us with the Holy Spirit. It's like, hey, listen, that Jesus that you've heard about, the Jesus that you've talked about, the Jesus that you've sung about, the Jesus that, you know, you've, you've been taught and you've heard stories about, it's real. And not just real, but real. For those listening on the podcast, I pointed to my head and then my heart. Like, it, it's not just head real, but it's heart real. So because of that, we, we should live accordingly. Like, like it, it, it changes things. And it doesn't just change things for us to be able to do it showy and publicly, but no, so it could actually have real effect in the way that we live our lives. Help us sent to proclaim Jesus. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. This is one of the last things Jesus says. And I want you to listen carefully about like how he's like talking like, uh, like a loving father or a loving leader as he's you know, getting ready to, 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 to leave the people he loves. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So Jesus, understanding the emotional and mental state of his disciples, he speaks to the Holy Spirit being the guide of truth. Help us sent to be the guide of truth. See, the Holy Spirit's role is, is to bring glory to Jesus, right? And, and, and he does this by taking what is related to Jesus and making it known to his disciples. And remember, Jesus was heading to the cross, and after the disciples would, would be sent on the mission to take the good news of Jesus around the world, and who would go with them to guide them on a journey? The Holy Spirit would. I, I, I just think about different instances. I mean, like, the story of Paul does not make sense unless there is a supernatural advocate Right? Like, you guys know how Paul, how Saul becomes Paul, right? So, Saul was like the Christian killer at the time. Like, his job was to kill Christians who, like, who, his ultimate goal was to kill these 12 guys because Christianity was spreading rapidly and and it it was dangerous as far as like the Judaism of uh, um, culture and, and even like hierarchy. And his job was to kill them and he was good at it. 
And so Paul goes and he's, you know, headed to go. He thinks he's going to be able to like get to this place and nip it in the bud. And who shows up? It's Jesus. And he's like, hey, why are you persecuting me? Paul's whole life and, you know, his whole motives change. And Jesus sends him to some of his followers. So Jesus shows up, not even one of these 12 guys, but Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, um, I'm sending you Paul. Disciple him. <laughs> the guys are like, you mean Saul, the, the guy that's trying to kill us? I'm supposed to accept him in my home. This seems like a trick. Are you sure? How does somebody go from, like, 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 you don't just go step into, you don't go to the zoo and just step into the cage with the lions and assume it's going to be okay. Because all of your instincts would say that this is a dangerous situation to go to. The song Oceans, you don't just go walking out on water when you know that you sink. You don't just like, you just don't go into things that are naturally dangerous unless somebody who's more powerful than the danger calls you there. The only reason why it would make sense to invite Saul into your home and, and invite him into the fellowship amongst the believers and the followers of Jesus is that the Holy Spirit guides you in that. I'm the truth, the spirit of truth. That's the only reason why it makes sense. So what do we do with this? I think for a lot of us that we, we have convinced ourselves that we are a lot better version of the Holy Spirit than God could ever be. And the problem with that is we can do it for a little bit. And man, it can make you tired. You know, like what we were, as being a young church and, you know, so many of us are involved in the ministry that happens here on Sundays. If our own power, it's going to burn us out quickly. The only reason why like, that we're able to, to, to do things the way we're doing, and even as we get more into the spring and some of the, the events and outreaches that we have planned coming up, man, if we don't do them underneath of, of the power of the Holy Spirit, it just doesn't make that much sense. The only reason why we, wouldn't we would choose to, with our weekends, which are so coveted and, and so valuable, the only reason why we would choose to do this other thing, to go to, go to this women's conference or to go to this men's retreat or to go like spend, uh, you know, some type of, uh, be a part of a, uh, some community, whether it be our own community, whether it be, you know, like doing stuff for kids or uh, uh, the reason why we make decisions to do that is because somebody's inspiring us to do that for the, good of, for the good of the gospel, for the good of Jesus Christ. And even for us, our decision-making, even in the way that we would make the decisions while we would do it, and they we're like, this is probably not, the, in my own sense, like, I'm going to invest in the kingdom, I'm going to invest in what Jesus wants me to do, but for my own personal monetary goals, this doesn't make that much sense. I, I don't know what it, what, what it is for you, but for us, in some point in our lives, we got to realize that we need God to help us serve God. We just do. Like, like, it was never meant for you and I to have the, the mental proudness, the the, like, or even the strength to be able to operate in a way that would actually please God without his help. We have to have the intent, or we have to have the submission 
but we need his help. One of my favorite stories uh, from me and my stepdad is that, you know, it, it would be often that, not, not too often, but there'd be times when he would forget something out of the house before he went down to D.C. for the day. And he'd be like, hey, you know, especially when I was home from college or uh, after I graduated and he knew I could, I had the margin to be able to do it. He would say, I need you to bring me something downtown. I, I need you to bring me my briefcase. It was always his briefcase. I need you to, or, or to do something. Or it would be come to meet him to help him do something. You know, and I didn't get to help him out with this job a lot, but sometimes he would let me come and help. And I could get from our home to Suitland Parkway or to the edge of D.C., so South Capitol Street, no problem. I was good with that. It's like two roads. You know, I, I, I could do that, no problem. But once I get on South Capitol Street, I couldn't get to Rhode Island Avenue. I couldn't get to South Dakota Street. And... Sometimes I would try to figure it out on my own. I would convince myself that I could do it. This is before, you know, Waze and Google Maps, guys, you know. Um, I would try to figure it out the best that I could. But especially in my college years, I, 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 I just have to give up. And I'd call them. I'd be lost somewhere, somewhere I'm not supposed to be. And I'm like, hey, I'm lost. Um, I need you to guide me to where I need to be. He'd, he'd always kind of like give me a chuckle. He's like... <laughs> Okay, we're doing this again. Give me your cross streets. And it did not matter what my cross streets were. If I was in the district, my stepdad knew where, where I could, where, you know, how he could get me from the best way of where I would go to get to where he is. Sometimes he would lead me to go pick something up for him and then lead me to where he needs me to go. One time he sent me to go say hi to somebody who was back in town and then he led me to go back to where he needed me to be. He's just like, like he's just incredible that way. But is this not the same, like, kind of, I don't know, song and dance we do with God all the time? God got somewhere where he wants you to go. He wants you to follow him. But you and I, we figure out the best way to do that, don't we? We think we got that figured out. But we need his help in order to follow him. We need his help in order to serve him. And the best thing that we could do is just Call and ask for him. You, you may be sitting here saying, Dane, like, this is great. I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I can't say that I actually feel the Holy Spirit working in my life. That, that, like, that is non-existent. Here's my question for you. How many times are you saying yes to God, like, like you know, generally? And is your yes conditional? And the more that you say yes, you will realize the one asking the question is the spirit of truth. There will be times when you're like, you know what, before I rush off to this next thing that is very important, I got this strange urge, like that, like or indication that I need to just take an extra moment and, and sit here and pray. This feels weird. I don't know why I should do that. No, it like that's it. It's not Jiminy Cricket showing up on your shoulder and saying, let's go this way, Pinocchio. It, it, that's not what <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to be like simple, still voices, listen to me, that are probably easy to ignore because you have other priorities that are important things, not always evil things, but it can make the biggest difference. Every teacher in here, if you've been following Jesus, there's been times when you've been ready to wring out a student's neck, but a small, still voice tells you, take a step back and pray. 
And that's been the difference in your life and that kid's life, amen? I, 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 think, I think that we all, we miss it. And we miss opportunities. And that's why we're tired. That's why we're stressed. Man, that's just, that's why we, we don't know if this really exists. Because our lives aren't quiet enough to hear the still small voice of the Spirit of Truth. So the way we respond to this is we turn the volume down in our lives so we can hear it and we can respond. Amen? Let me pray for us and then we're going to transition into communion. You just listened to a message from Dane Carraway, the pastor of Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about our church and to support what we're doing in the greater Baltimore area, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well. May God bless you.